0: Welcome to our mini episode of the LDA podcast, a series dedicated to improving the lives and education of all learners. Today, we sit down with Dr. Vincent Alfonso and Monica McHale-Small to talk about learning disabilities and the brain. Hello, everyone. I'm here with Dr. Vincent Alfonso and Dr. Monica McHale-Small. Dr. Vincent Alfonso is an Interim Dean of the Graduate School of Psychology at Yeshiva University. He's a Certified School Psychologist and Licensed Psychologist. He has co-edited the Essentials of Specific Learning Disabilities Identification, the second edition, the Essentials of Cross-Battery Assessment, the third edition, and the Essentials of the WISC-V assessment. Monica McHale Small is the President of LDA. She is an Adjunct Professor at Temple University and a School Psychologist. Thank you for joining us. Thank Thank you. So how would you define a learning disability?
1: I think uh, the definition of a learning disability has been somewhat elusive for, for, for decades now. Um, we tend to follow the, um, you know, the definition of uh, IDEA or the educational definition um, and uh, you know, typically what it is is a student or it could be, a, could be a, an adult. Uh, school-age person or an adult who is struggling in an academic area uh, not achieving as expected uh, given you know adequate instruction average or better overall intellectual functioning cognitive functioning um, and uh, and other resources yet is still struggling in a particular area but um, I think it's important to understand is there's learning difficulty, and then there's learning disability, and I think disability is a more intense, more maybe perhaps uh, deeper, you know, difficulty than um, than just a a, a, say, a simple learning problem or you know having struggles in school.
2: Right, and one of the things that's in the definition in IDEA currently is mentioning psychological processing deficits. Um, and we think about those as cognitive processing deficits, and we believe that that is a very essential component of learning disabilities. So there's some neurobiological processing deficit that underlines the, the learning difficulties that the individual is having. Absolutely.
0: So, what does the neuroscience say about lear- learning disabilities? Because you made the difference yeah. between learning difficulties and learning sure. disabilities. So, what is sure. the neuroscience saying about? LD or learning disability?
1: I think, you know, <clears throat> historically, um, you know, many, many people believe that there's a neural substrate or a neurobiological substrate. Um, it's kind of been assumed or presumed that there's, there's some kind of neurological basis for a learning disability, but it's only probably been in the last 20 years or so that neuroimaging and fMRI's, MRIs, and other, you know, uh, advances in technology to help us understand brain functioning, and to link areas of the brain with certain kinds of functioning, and we're starting to see that uh, there are differences uh, between folks who, you know, are like typically developing or are not having problems in a particular academic domain and those. Who are struggling um, and so it's kind of been still in its infancy it takes it takes time for an accumulation of evidence but this is really helpful because it's always been presumed that there was some kind of neurobiological substrate now we're actually seeing that if, if it's most likely uh, true and that um, that will help us understand better uh, how to help individuals how to diagnose better and also then how to intervene, uh, perhaps, you know, once we have clarity on that.
2: Right. And, and most of that research that um, Anne is talking about is really been done on in individuals with dyslexia.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, we know a lot about the neural networks that are involved in, in reading and in dyslexia and difficulties with word reading. Um, we're just beginning to sort of understand those neurological correlates to other types of learning disability. Like Laurie Cutting and her colleagues um, are looking at specific reading comprehension deficits, and but that, as much as all of this is in its infancy, looking at other learning disabilities is very much in its infancy, and that's where we need more
1: research. Yeah, we definitely need more more research uh, on reading comprehension, but also math and writing, which really uh, don't. Writing has the least amount of research uh, going on, and um, and yet we have many many students who have difficulties with written expression in some way shape or form. So, you know, hopefully as the you know research continues, we will have greater clarity uh, on what's happening in the brain that's associated with these different areas, and there could be overlap. Um, you know, there could be some common areas for different kinds of disabilities. Um, you know, we just we just don't know at this point, but we're, we're, we're much further along than we have been um, in the past. Right.
2: Even in the last five years, our understood that the mapping of different types of processing and academic skills to areas of the brain has really advanced amazingly in a short amount
1: of time. And there's concomitant research that Is starting to to come out, showing that we can actually, you know, um, we can have an effect on on brain development. It's always been thought that the brain has some plasticity and some malleability, but now we're getting to specifics and so how we can help uh, individuals who are struggling with some kind of academic area through some you know cognitive processing training or some kind of rehabilitation or depending on. Age and depth and breadth of the situation,
2: and, and even instruction. You know, for kids with dyslexia, that they get very targeted, explicit instruction that emphasizes um, phonological development and that orthographic mapping, that their their brain function becomes more typical, more like a typical reader.
0: So that neural network mapping that you've just talked about in the interventions, are we seeing that in the field of education that there's that connection between neuroscience and um, I guess practice in the field by teachers and? It's beginning, but it's
2: only just beginning. And, and really, um, I would say in this last year, there's been more uh, focus on the science of reading um, and a lot of that's due to Emily Hanford who is an investigative reporter with American public media and she has really opened the eyes of uh, a lot of people on that so people in mainstream education are beginning to talk about it but we have a long
1: way to go I would say I'd probably be a little more um, pessimistic about what's mm-hmm. going on just that there's there's just huge disconnects uh, between or among education and the practice of psychology, neuropsychology, and, you know, hardcore research that's taking place in some centers around the country with the neuroimaging, and until we can get all groups together at the table speaking a uh, common language, it's, it's going to continue to be difficult, um, you know, for us to really to really help uh, people and individuals with some kind of disability. Um, but, you know, progress, progress does happen, it's just a little slow, but but hopefully LDA can be a leader in bring together, you know, different groups that are working on the same, you know, same areas, um, but so we can be around the table together. Um, that would be really a, that would be a very good plan.
0: So it sounds like it's very disjointed right now and what we're learning in neuroscience necessarily isn't making it to teacher preparation programs, which isn't necessarily making it to our classrooms today. That's and absolutely like that. correct. So how do we get everyone on that same page? Like, What are the first steps? Well, I think that,
2: as Vinnie just said, that we at LDA can be a catalyst for that. Mm-hmm. Um, now that the, the neuroscience is giving us a, a path, mm-hmm. we know where we need to be focusing, we know where we need more money for research, and LDA is in the process of making connections with, we had a recent conversation with folks at IES about um, how we can collaborate and make sure we get some of the top researchers at our conferences. And, yes like
1: that. Yes. by convening people from different areas who are interested in the same topic and having uh, having you know just good uh, good conversation and discussion on how we can work together I think so LDA can be the convener of these uh, people from these different groups and, and and be at the table and I think that would be a very uh, very healthy way to, to proceed.
0: This kind of stems off of your last answer. Um, How would you like to see the field of learning disabilities continue to evolve? Bringing everybody to the table, having that common language sounds like a first step, but Mm -hmm. where do you see us, or where would you hope to see us in five, ten years? Well, like I
2: said earlier, I think what we need is is more funding for research that will help us understand the other learning disabilities the way we understand dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Dyslexia is certainly the most common learning Mm -hmm. disability, but it's not the only one. And we need that funding. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of the the federal funding for learning disabilities research has dropped off. And I think that we, as an organization, LDA can really help to use what we know from neuroscience Start that conversation again, and and we have a really strong policy presence um, in Washington, and I think we have to use that to to be a catalyst for getting more funding for these other learning disabilities. So where I would like us to see is, uh, I would like us to have a whole lot a whole lot more insight into how we diagnose and intervene with reading and writing and math, so that all. Uh, individuals with learning disabilities can have more successful educational outcomes.
1: Yeah, I think that um, we need advocacy, we need to advocate for persons with learning disabilities, we need to effect or have an effect on policy uh, nationally and locally, and then we also need to improve the precision or accuracy in diagnosis. And also in um, evidence-based interventions, uh, you know that so that we can apply the appropriate intervention for um, the individual, you know, have a good match, tailor the intervention towards the the person uh, who's having the difficulties.
0: We're going to leave the listeners with one last call to action. What would your call to action be for them? How could they help progress the field um, or? knowledge of learning disabilities
1: Mm -hmm. that's a good question well
2: what i want what i think a call to action is is that all of our affiliates um and the members and those different affiliates we need to make sure that folks know that we're out here and so just having that voice so if, if there's an issue that comes up around policy or about for example, there's a sign-on letter around IES funding for research, right? We need our affiliates to be very active in um, letting their their state legislators know that we're LDA supporting this, and that they're supporting this, and as their as the constituents of that particular uh, legislator, and um, that we're a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah. Um, that we're here, and we need support too, and we'll, we'll work with, with people, um, and that, you know, um, every individual who speaks up, uh, you know, that voice goes a long way, and we yes. really need as many people as possible uh, to be lobbying, to be writing, to be learning, to be telling, you know, their, stories. telling their stories, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's how it gets done.
0: Thank you, Monica and Vinny, and thank you for your last call to action. I think that's something we can all make progress on and actually fulfill and do. Um, So I know you are very busy people. I thank you for taking the time to, to sit and chat with me, and hopefully we get to chat again in the future. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to our mini episode of the LDA podcast, which was made possible by the Learning Disabilities Foundation of America. Our theme music is Little Idea by Scott Holmes. In our next episode, we'll sit down with Toby Baker, the winner of the 2020 Harrison Sylvester Award, to discuss how to self-advocate. For more resources from LDA, visit ldaamerica.org.